Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. We are in this uh, sermon series called The Gospel and Scrooge as we're looking this popular story by Charles Dickens as he wrote it in the 1800s and these themes that we are pulling out of them. Um, Scrooge is this character, this uh, really grumpy character that we all know, stingy, loves money, loves himself, and really is just not a happy person uh, to be around. And Chris uh, described him as cantankerous. Is that the right word? i got to start using that word more. Um, it's a good word, right? Uh, cantankerous, but just someone, you know, you almost think of him as a little bit of like a Grinch using that phrase, bah humbug, as he hates Christmas. But the first week we talked about how, um, even though this character of Scrooge is pretty bad, uh, there's a little bit of a Scrooge in all of us. We all have this sin that's a part of us and we carry that with us, but we have a God who loves us and wants to help to clean us of that and save us from that. Um, And then we talked about last week in the ghost of Christmas past, how we are being reclaimed. And some of that reclamation process is a little bit troublesome and painful as we have to visit with some of those painful memories that have shaped us the way we are. But those are not what define us. We are a new creation in Christ. Now, this week, we are looking at the ghost of Christmas present as Scrooge is visited by the second of three ghosts, and what that means for us, and what the gospel we can pull out of the story looks like for us today. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this story, uh, this wonderful story that we get to pull these themes out of, uh, and we are thankful for the Christmas story where Jesus came, uh, put on human flesh amongst us, God with us. We are so thankful for that. Uh, We pray for uh, these words that I may speak, God, that you would use me to speak through me, um, and if necessary, move me aside so that your glory may be proclaimed. pray all these things in your name. Amen. Well, we are in the holiday season of Christmas, uh, and gift-giving is obviously a big part of that, right? Um, So i got to get a little bit of perspective of where I fit amongst the group. Um, Who here is done? Already got all their gifts? Yep. Okay. Two? Three? Okay. Yeah. How long have you been done for? I'm guessing probably even weeks at this point, right? You're just ahead of the schedule. Who here is like a last minute Christmas Eve crazy shop? Okay. We got a couple of you. Okay. Yeah. A couple. Yeah. A couple. Yeah. Spouses nudging. Okay. Yeah. Get your hand up. Who here is kind of in the middle, still got a couple gifts to get, but you got, okay, in the middle. Okay. That's where I am with you all. I've still got a couple to go. Um, but I'm just kind of bad at the whole gift-giving process, uh, both giving and receiving. Um, I even have, like, my wife has made it so easy. God bless her. Uh, just, Will, here's a note. Just write stuff you want. It's easy. Just do it. And I still procrastinate in doing that. And so I see it as a little bit of a way to, like, get gifts that maybe a little bit I wouldn't buy for myself. I don't know. Does anybody else feel that way? Like, what's something like, I don't know, I want to buy for myself. We'll put that down. Uh, well, of course, as I went through that, I, I got down a rabbit hole of like, what are some weird things that 
people have bought over the years, and you get in these rabbit holes on the internet, and here you find yourself two hours later in this deep, dark hole. So I'm going to share that hole with you all today. Um, first one, people have bought of odd things over the years. Here's this lady. She, I think she had lost this sandwich, she said, for like 17 years, and this mold had formed to form the face of Virgin Mary, and she sold it, and somebody purchased it for the tune of 28 grand. So... Um, Write these down if you're still needing something to get. Um, next up, um, here is a banana taped to a wall. This was in an art show down in Miami, a title comedian, appropriately named, I think, for 120 grand. Um, and it was a real banana, and it was just normal duct tape you get at Home Depot. So, you know, if you got an art collector in your family. Next up, we have uh, this. You may remember Britney Spears a couple years ago. She just got tired of people pulling on her hair and everything else like that. So she shaved it all off, and she was in a beauty salon, I guess, when she did this. Well, a little bit of a forward-thinking beauty salon owner kept said hair and sold it for a million dollars. Like, also collected, I think, some of like the Red Bull and stuff she was drinking while she did this. So, yeah, that's a gift you can maybe get. And then uh, next one... Um, I don't know how they accurately did this, uh, but people apparently canned up uh, the breath of Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, and they sold it and sold on eBay for $523. Um, so uh, being a forward-thinking person, uh, like I like to think that I am, I'm not really, but I like to think that way, um, if anybody is in need of a last-minute gift, uh, we are selling... Uh, bags of Chris and I's breath. We'll call it Krillium's breath. Uh, yeah, if you need it uh, to the tune of the $1,000, um, last-minute gifts. We got plenty of these, folks. We can sell them. Uh, let us know. We have plenty because nobody's bought any yet. I don't know why. Uh, but if, if you've got somebody in your family who needs a last-minute gift, let us know. Money goes into the church, kind of help the, the bottom line. So... Um, but it's kind of funny you think about these things, but people put value on different things. Uh, I personally, I value more like experiences, uh, maybe getting to spend a trip uh, with a family. That might be something that you value more. Maybe you're somebody who values clothing more or some type of materialistic thing. Maybe it's just food, just a nice meal with one another. Uh, but this value that we place on things is kind of how we, yeah, we value things. What will we exchange for these items? And as we hear about this story of Scrooge, he has a high value on money and himself. Um, and if it doesn't benefit him financially, if it does not do him any good, he deems it as worthless. Um, and this value system that we have is helpful in the most part, but we see it play out with uh, Scrooge where he devalues people and it hurts people. And this gets brought to the light uh, when this ghost is visiting him. And he takes him around to show these various instances where these people, they may not have very much, uh, but still they are finding this joy. And then ultimately, he finds his way to Bob Cratchit's house, Bob Cratchit's house, and that's his employee, where he sees his family joyous and overflowing with joy despite maybe some of the challenges they have. But they still have that joy that they hold on to. And I don't know what you relate to best, which Christmas carol comes to mind when you think of it, but mine is best depicted by this movie clip uh, that we have here that I think explains it pretty well. The Christmas dinner, <laughs> the goose, <laughs> the goose. <laughs> oh, 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 no, 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 now, son, son, now you've gotten too excited. You 
go sit in your chair a moment. Okay, rest, rest a moment. How was he at church? Oh, as good as gold and better. He told me that he hoped the people saw him in church because it might be pleasant for them to remember upon Christmas Day who made lame beggars walk and blind men see. A remarkable child. And with that, the Cratchits came to what was surely the happiest single moment in all the live long year. Such a meager feast. But very much appreciated. I pay Bob such a small amount. Mr. Scrooge. Bob. Bob Cratchit. It only seems right that I should lift a glass to my employer. I give you Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. The founder of the feast, indeed. <laughs> If I had him here, I would give him a piece of my mind to feast upon, and I bet he would choke on it. Hmm. Choke. choke! My dear, the, the children, Christmas Day. Oh, uh, well, well, I, I suppose that on the blessed day of Christmas, one must drink to the health of uh, Mr. Scrooge, mm -hmm. even though he is odious, mm -hmm. stingy, mm -hmm. wicked, mm -hmm. and unfeeling, mm -hmm. and badly dressed. <gasps> to and the founder of the feast, Mr. Mm. Scrooge. Mm. Uh, to Mr. Scrooge, you'll be very merry and happy this day, I have no doubt. No, no doubt. doubt. Hey, cheers. Amen, right? We can go on. But as we saw in this uh, situation, he is presented with his family who is still thankful for all that they have. And a little bit later, that happens after this interaction, is... Scrooge gets a little bit of a soft spot in his heart. He starts to realize that seeing the joy that Tiny Tim has, he wonders, what is the fate of this child? Will this child grow up to be strong and healthy? Um, what ultimately will happen? And this is the interaction that happens with the ghost. Spirit, said the Scrooge, with an interest he had never felt before. Tell me if Tiny Tim will live. I see a vacant seat, replied the ghost in the poor chimney corner, in a crutch without an owner, carefully preserved. If these things remain unchanged by the future, the child will die. No, no, said Scrooge. Oh, no, kind spirit, say he will be spared. If these things remain unchanged by the future, none other of my race, so none of the ghosts that will precede him, return the ghosts, will find him here. What then, if he is likely to die? He had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Scrooge hung his head to hear his own words quoted by the Spirit and was overcome with shame and grief. So in this moment, Scrooge has this shift where he has this soft spot, realizing that his actions do affect some of these people. And when there's a face put on this, these surplus population individuals, it moves him. When I was thinking about this uh, and where the gospel kind of talks about this and speaks to us, it was the sheep and the goats that came to mind. And we're going to read through that story. That happens in Matthew 25, where Jesus speaks about those, the righteous and the unrighteous. It says this, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. 
For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these of my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Jumping down, he says the same thing to the unrighteous. Those of you who did not do these things, they ask that same question. Lord, when, we, when did we not do these things to you? And he responds in the same way. He will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away in, into eternal punishment, punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I think a lot of the focus of this does happen to kind of center on the eternal life and the damnation and the punishment that happens, but I wonder if a little bit of a shift in the thinking would focus our center or center ourselves on the open invitation that Jesus gives to us when talking about this. It's not as though this is something incredibly grand. Jesus is not asking us to create anything new. He's simply asking us and inviting us into providing the basic human essentials, the human needs that we all have, shelter, food, drink, and water. Uh, there's a pastor out in California, Robert McClellan, and I think he does a great job in summarizing this. He says this, the lesson of the sheep and the goats is good news because it asks each of us to share precisely what each has. That is the true center of this passage. Whether it is food or water, a compassionate ear or an open heart, Everyone has something to offer, or sorry, to share. And when I think about that, I think about the ministries that we have here at Asbury. I think about our connection with Eatonville, with Family Promise, with the Sharing Center, with our connection with the schools. We have the Family Promise Giving Tree that we're participating in. The United Methodist men who create the bags, United Methodist women who raise money through the rummage sale for the missions. We have so many groups around here, Orlando Rescue Mission, groups that go to the prison visiting. We have so many wonderful ways that we're doing that. We're doing these things. And I think Jesus highlights that when we are serving them, we are serving Christ. Through our service to other people, we serve Christ himself. Just a couple weeks ago, we took a group of students over to the sharing center, and I was surprised at how easy it was. We just emailed them, said, hey, we got a group coming over, and they said, that sounds great. Show up at 9 a.m., and we'll put you guys to work. And we did. Not only was I surprised at how easy it was, I was surprised at how fun it was just to get involved. We got a chance to meet the people who sell these clothes, who organize these things in the thrift shop that eventually get sold, and money goes in to help support those who have less than. For us, it was such an easy process, and we were just providing just a little bit of our time. Through that service to the sharing center, we were able to serve Christ himself. And I think there's another element in this story that comes out and jumps out to me, and that's element of surprise. When we look at it, Jesus has this interaction where they ask him, Christ, when did we do these things? When did we do these things? And the surprise comes when we realize we don't know who exactly we are serving. We never know who it really is that is needing us to reach out to them. 
There's an artist, his name was Fritz Eichenberg. Uh, he was based in Germany, and he passed away, unfortunately, in 1990. But he grew up in Nazi Germany. But through his life, he was a Christian, and he saw these different atrocities that were happening and all the war that was happening, and he found himself really living out his creativity in these wood carvings. And he made this one that's pretty popular. It's Christ in the Breadline. And no, we don't see Christ as the one who's serving out the soup, as we may sometimes do. It's not Christ the one who is organizing people, but Christ himself is the one who's with the poor, the least, the less than. And that's just a reminder that when we are serving others, we are serving Christ. And the second part of the surprise that comes out of this is the effect that it may have on others. The small things that we do, the ear that we offer, the hello, the simple gesture, the bottle of water, may have a profound effect. Just like in the story of Scrooge, he realizes that his effect on this family with Tiny Tim, if remained unchanged, could affect the fate of this poor child. But what if? What if we get kind of caught up a little bit in the what ifs? Well, this person might not really benefit from it. Well, I don't exactly know how I'm going to be helping them. What if we get caught up in these things? I think two things can come of that. I think the outcome might not be as good. We might find ourselves maybe delayed in this situation. It sounds like Tiny Tim passes away. But I think if we do get caught up in the what if, we might get passed over because God wants to use us. He wants to use us, his faithful followers, but ultimately he's going to use those who are willing. He's going to use somebody wanting to use us, but he's going to use those who are willing. The story of the Good Samaritan, you've probably been familiar with it, heard it a lot, the act of compassion. There's a beggar, or sorry, there's a Jewish man who gets beat up and they help him. But there's a little bit of a third part about this that I think is pretty helpful to pull out as well. It says this, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, they left him her half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along a religious person. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Then a temple assistant walked over, looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side of the road. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. Sometimes I think we do focus on the compassion that is showed, but we don't focus on the fact that there were two religious people that walked by this man, just overlooking him. And I think that just highlights that God wants to use us. He wants to use his people to further his kingdom, to relieve suffering, but ultimately he's going to use those who are willing. As I was preparing for the sermon, it's helpful for me to talk about this with other people and just kind of get their feedback and go through some different things. But I had a particular conversation that stuck with me. Um, you all might be familiar with Larry Cook. He works here at the church, church administrator. Um, and he shared a story with me um, that I thought was pretty profound. Um, he was familiar with a pastor who one night was getting ready to pack up. Um, light was still on, but he stood up getting ready to walk out the door. And when he looked over and he saw in his doorway... Somebody standing there said, hey, can we talk for a bit? 
he was pretty tired. It was the end of the day. He thought, you know what? I'll just tell this person to come back tomorrow. We can talk about them. I can give them all the attention and all the time they need. But he, he said he felt a little bit of a nudge. And in that nudge, he said, okay, yeah, I've got a couple minutes. Let's chat. So he sat down. He chatted with the person. said it wasn't a super deep conversation, about 15, 20 minutes, pretty lighthearted even. And then they got up and they left, went about their ways. He didn't think anything of it. He said a couple weeks later, the person returned and said, hey, I just want to let you know, a couple weeks ago when you talked to me, I just want to let you know that I was on the way to end things. Your door was open, your light was on, so I thought, you know what, let's just stop in, see what he has to say. In your listening ear, the act of compassion that you had just for the 15, 20 minutes changed the fate of my life and wanted to say thank you for that. We may never know the profound effect that we have, how God will use us, who we will serve. We may be even serving Christ himself if we are willing. God wants to use us, his followers, but ultimately he's going to use the willing. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. God, as we look at this story of Scrooge, we are thankful that we get to see his life be changed. He gets to be used by you in this story to change the fate of Tiny Tim. And although this is a story, this is a story that each one of us can live out in our own lives. As Pastor Chris, this is a time where Christmas might be difficult through painful memories, through tragedy. There are many who are suffering, God. And you want to use us if we are willing, God. May we be used by you, willing and able, because we may never know the surprising effect that it is who we are serving, but the effect that we may have on others. And we, thankful, we are so thankful for that. We're thankful that you have chosen us to be used by you. God, be with us for the rest of this morning through this worship. We thank you for this opportunity to love and serve you and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.